Hi, I'm James, and this is James Explores the New Mutants, an ish-by-ish exploration of Marvel's comic book series, The New Mutants. Welcome to episode number 11, entitled Virgins, Witches, Politicians? Oh my! In this episode, I'll examine issue number 10, entitled Betrayal. With Selena, the witch around, we're definitely fitting into October. So, let's celebrate the month of Halloween in style. Please stay tuned. So, before we dive into this episode, I do want to take a moment to talk quickly about the cover art for this podcast. For you listeners who've been around a while, or around since the beginning, you know that the art has changed. Yeah, um, it used to be the title of the podcast in bold yellow letters on a black background. Super generic, super basic, super simple. I did that myself. Not much of an artist, um, but I am a comic book fan, obviously. Um, The artwork, the new artwork for the podcast is was done by my brother lee he is an exceptional artist very talented um and he absolutely knocked the cellar park i gave him samples i said here's the cover i'd like to you know to to mirror to mimic um you know and i just here's the images i'd like in the circles what do you think could you do it for me and he he said i'll give it a go and he he did. He he absolutely, absolutely stunned me with it. Like he did, went above and beyond, and he didn't charge me a dime for it. He just did it for free. I am so eternally grateful to him for having done that. Like it means the world to me, because I just wanted to have something that was like not generic, something that stood out that really meant something to me and and represented the podcast. And he did it. He absolutely did it. And it's beautiful and wonderful. And I love it. I absolutely adore it. Uh, If you didn't know, if you've been on any of my social media, you know, I like it because it's, I've plastered it everywhere. I'm so proud of it. And I think it's beautiful and perfect. Um, So if you ever see him on social media, please don't, you know, let him know what you think. Um, I, for one, love it, and I'm super grateful for him, to him for having done that, but he's also been a really big supporter of me doing this since the beginning, so I want to thank him for that, too, because without the support of my family and friends, I don't know that I would have absolutely, you know, actually tried a podcast, but he said, you know, it's something, if, you, if you're interested, give it a shot, what's the worst that could happen, and I, I absolutely love doing it, so... Again, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lee. Um, I really appreciate it. It means the world to me. So thanks. Before we dive into issue number 10, entitled Betrayal, I'd like to take some time, as usual, to review the creative team. Of course, we have the writer, Chris Claremont. By the time we get to the end of his run on New Mutants, and Louise Simonson takes over, you are all going to be so sick of hearing him, me say his name. But that's okay, because in my humble opinion, he, he is a master, a, an, an icon in the industry of comics, and by far, hands down, my favorite writer. Um, I love him to death. So 
I, I hope you can all bear with me. Um, of course, we've got Sal Buscema back on pencils. We got Tom Mandrake uh, doing finishing and ink work. Um, Glennis Ween, she's doing coloring. Tom Orzechewski is the letterer. Um, Jim Shooter is editor-in-chief, of course, and Louise Jones uh, is also known as Wheezy. She is um, the editor of the X-Men line of books at this time. We do have an inc- a cons- consultant on this issue, um, a, a lady, a woman named uh, Diane Schultz. Uh, and she, at this time hasn't broken into the comic industry yet. Uh, she's doing just just some, probably just helping Chris Claremont with some story ideas. Uh, the two of them at this time were friends and continued to be friends throughout their lives, uh, are, are still friends, I would assume, today. I don't know, I guess, for sure. I haven't talked to either one of them about that fact. But um, the research that I've done indicates that they were friends. They had a good friendship. And... I can't find anything that tells like exactly what she did, but um, she did consult on this issue. So whether that was just helping with story, or if she knew a lot about Roman history and helped get some details right, I you know I don't know. But she consulted on the title. The interesting thing is, like I said, she isn't part of the industry yet. It's not going to be until 1985 that she gets her big break. And and at that point, her connection and ties to Chris Claremont land her a job at Marvel. And she's going to be, at that time, she becomes the assistant editor on the X-Men line behind Anne Nascenti. Uh, she's in that position for exactly four days before she quits. Um, and I think she kind of describes this as having gotten a big head, thinking she was all that, and... Uh, it ends up working out great for her. She goes on to work for Dark Horse uh, and, you know, has a really successful, influential career there. So, like, it worked out for her. Um, it, you know, I don't know. She was with the X titles for four, exactly four days. So I don't know exactly what type of impact she has on the X-Men, but I, I do have that little bit of trivia for you. So, so there you go. Um, that's the creative team for this title. Uh, and like I said, this is kind of the established team from here forward. But I'll, I'll keep kind of going through it, especially if there's a, a little blurb of information like that, or if somebody's changed up, because you know it's, it it helps us to understand. I think the issues, um, and, and I think it's also worth mentioning. There's quite a few of these titles, or these these more recent issues we've been reviewing. The covers are almost all. Bob McLeod's uh, covers. So we're still getting a lot of influence from Bob McLeod, even though he stepped away from the book. Uh, so there you go. That's the that's creative team. Let's get on with the issue. The issue opens uh, with a splash page, and we see the four new mutants being hauled down Nova Roma streets. Throngs of people have come out to meet them. Uh, it's a pr- pr- procession for sure, probably a pr- uh, victorious parade in their honor. Um, they are believed by the Roman citizens of this this uh, hidden city to be gods and reign, sits on a throne carried by what is probably um, slaves 
uh, in her wolf's form, the the honored, most honored of all these potential gods, uh, and the other new mutants are at at her at her side, um, and the crowds are going wild, um, and the new mutants aren't sure how to handle this. They're they're talking about it. A lot of them wish they were home, um, and and that's a big. Uh, a, a problem for them um and you know they they wish that they they weren't in this situation they don't like the spotlight but danny does point out you know even though they all wish they were home it's better than the arena that they were just in um marcus aquila or marcus galileo excuse me he is the senator and he is uh he has discovered these gods and he is uh, leading this procession in a chariot alone in a red cape billowing he's a hero and the people see him as such he see has always seen himself as that and he is in a position now of extreme power he has the will of the people on his side as well as these uh, potentially powerful mutants uh he catches a glance from a a chubby man in the crowd, Antonius, Lucius Antonius Aquila, and him exchange foul glances, and it is picked up by Sam, but Bobby tells him it's not a big deal, it's none of their concern and not to worry about it. Roberto, his thoughts are elsewhere anyways. He's looking to the mountains. He's thinking of his mother. You know, he's wondering if she could have possibly even survived the rapids. And if she had, though, certainly those Roman patrols would have found her and brought her to the city. And there's been no word of her. He is extremely concerned. And he all of a sudden realizes that he's being watched by one of his fellow teammates. It's Danny. And he and he doesn't want her to know that he's upset. And so he tries to turn his thoughts elsewhere as he begins to wave to the crowd. But she's on to him. She, she, Danny realizes that there's something wrong. Roberto is upset, and he's chosen not to talk to his teammates because he's too proud. But she figures that's why she likes him so much. There's so much alike, and that's why she cares. They finally arrive at their destination, a giant palace, and a uh, Galileo tells them it's theirs. It is theirs. It is to be their their home. Um, they are they are honored and uh, they will be well taken care of. Um, Rain transforms to her human form. She's tired of being in in the wolf form, and she does change change to her human form. Uh, Danny drapes a, a cloak over her so that she's not nude. Um, at this point, uh, she kind of tells them, "Hey, it was exciting." But they shouldn't be calling her a goddess. It's not proper in her mind. But Galileo pushes aside her her reservations, telling her uh, that his people um, see her as exactly that, as a god, as a goddess. Um, and and he argues with her. He he points out that it's perhaps the the, the gods were beings like uh, the new mutants uh, themselves. Um, actually, people gifted with extraordinary powers and abilities. Um, and he claps his hands and slaves come into the room. They're carrying a giant feast. And he tells them, you know, we'll, we'll discuss this later. We're going to eat right now. And they all sit down to eat. Um, and Sam asks if they're, if these people that are bringing in these, these huge trays of food, if they're slaves and the slaves say, yeah, of course, you know, duh. Um, Roberto points out that, Hey, his, at Roberto's age, his father 
his, uh, when he was Roberto's age, was was a slave, um, and it Roberto's trying to weigh uh, out loud. He's weighing whether the price of what is what they have, this beauty and luxury, is is really worth the price. Um, and Danny, she's kind of looking concerned. You know, she she's thinking about you know that they they need to be careful, you know, they need to not push this too far. At one point, they were just about to be slaves themselves, and Galileo here has saved them, um, and he could easily change his mind. He could send them back to be slaves. Um, and obviously, she's not interested in that. So after everybody eats, you know, they're well, you know, they're really full. The food's been taken away, and they're all sitting, having a conversation. Um, and Danny, she's playing innocent, right? She's playing innocent and kind of trying to hide her thoughts not really let in not play you know not give in too much to any of this um and and she thanks the senator uh and sam at takes this opportunity now he had noticed that gentleman in the crowd earlier and he and he asks galileo about that you know that they didn't seem like they were too happy when they saw each other um, and Galileo, you know, fills him in who it was. He's, of course, it's had to be Aquila you're talking about. He's a colleague of mine in the center, uh, but you don't worry about it. I'll deal with him. And Sam figures out, hey, that's Amara's dad, obviously. Um, and he noticed, he, he says he notices the resemblance. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, and he asks, you two don't get along? And uh, Galileo keeps talking. I don't know if it's because he's drunk or what, but been drinking wine he's free to he's free just free willingly telling these kids this stuff he says hardly he he tells them that he's of the patrician class um he's he's noble and he's born and bred to uphold the ideals and traditions of rome and to take care he's a caretaker of the realm and he represents it's he's represents their uh that eternal dream that is Rome. Um, well, Aquila is part of the plebeian class, commoners, and uh, really descending from slaves. And uh, some of them, not all, but some, are honorable as patricians, but not all. And Lu- Lu- Lucius Antonius Aquila is not honorable. Um, and, and he makes a claim that he respects, that Aquila respects no law uh, but that of his own, and he has one desire, and that is to become emperor of Rome. Um, now, Sam, he he's real. He he picks up on this slick talk, and he and he remembers somebody, a company rep, who had talked to his dad, um, and other miners about contracts and how great it sounded. But they did nothing to actually help the people, and that's exactly what he he equates uh, that type of person to uh, Marcus Galileo. But he 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 also notices that Danny's been kind of sitting back and just playing along, you know, not trying to rock the boat, and he wants to follow her lead. Um, and he and he brings up Amaro, you know, that's not what Amaro told us. And at this point, Rain, you know, she loses her cool. She begins yelling at Sam. Um, about why he would believe her she's a liar and a sneak and sam's caught off guard by this we the readers really shouldn't be because we've had a couple issues to to kind of see this building right initially first it was rain when when amara was thought to be a, a native of the the for the you know part of the tribes in the area uh she was wearing she was paint you know 
painted up in blackface uh, and thought to be a native, uh, Rain kind of divulged some sensitive information to her. She let her know that she'd been having uh, this lately really been hoping that she could stay in the wolf form she really didn't want to be a human anymore and she'd really been enjoying that and and it that's you know that's kind of the sin thing she sees that this ability of hers her ability to be her mutation is a sin and makes her a sinner that's what she's been taught since she was a child you know really a young child as she's grown up and now she wants to stay in this wolf form that is certainly not what God would have attended in her mind. And so that's problematic. She doesn't like the loss of humanity that she's beginning to see. Um, and then she finds out that Amara is not actually a native and she actually speaks English and understood everything Rain had told her. And now she's, you know, that, that really burned her. She was really nervous and upset and angry with Amara after that and didn't really trust her. And then we saw in the arena when Sam and Roberto were fighting in the last issue, she leapt to the defense of Sam. She has some sort of physical attraction towards Sam, um, whether it's a crush or what, and how deep that goes, we don't know. But, you know, with her, her seeing Sam potentially, you know, being interested in another woman, that does not make... Uh, Rain very happy, so of course she lashes out. Everybody is a surprise to see this. Her her friends, uh, um, and and Danny asks, you know, what's the matter? She wonders whether there's something going on between Sam and Rain. She has that in her thought bubble, uh, but uh, Galileo steps in. He says, you know, don't judge Lady Amara too harshly. She's a good daughter, loyal to her father, doing whatever she can to help him. Um, you notice she was not, but then he's quick. He's quick to turn that around. And he says, you know, she's not by your side right now either, though. You know, don't don't take her loyalties to her father as anything more than caring about her father and, and his ambitions. You know, she, she is not loyal to you because she wasn't there. You know, she snuck off on her own and left you to fight in the arena. She's hardly a friend. Um, and And, you know... Rain, she's like, yep, you got it. I totally agree with you, Mr. Galileo, Senator Galileo. And in fact, I agree with you so much, and you've been so kind to us. I'll tell you what. I offer the services of new mutants. Anything you need, we will do to help you. Just ask. We're, you know, we're your guests. All you have to do is ask us for help. And Galileo tells her it's a noble gesture, Lady Rain, and much appreciated. Um, but... He takes his leave. It's night, and they need to get some rest. He's exhausted. They're surely exhausted, and he bids them farewell. Uh, and finally, you know, Bobby, he's been t- stifled in this armor. He's not comfortable. He transforms to sunspot and bursts out of it and flops down onto a pillow. And he just couldn't take it, he tells them, and that he's exhausted. He's going to sleep and Danny, you know, wake me up with a kiss. He's flirting because he's just overjoyed to be safe and comfortable and his friend's nearby and he doesn't have to worry. Um, This leaves a moment for Sam to confront Rain. He wants to know what she's doing, uh, you know, offering their help without talking to the rest of them. And she argues she shouldn't have to. And why should she? And she shouldn't have to ask. Um, And... Why you know she wants to know why she should have you know had to ask or you know why shouldn't she have offered their help? He'd help them, um, 
and that's Sam argues, well, we're strangers here. We don't know what's really going on, and we don't we can't tell the good guys from the bad guys. We should only be helping good people. And you're you know, he he wants to know what's making her hate Amara so much, and she fires right back. You know, uh, tell she tells him, um, she thinks that his judgment's being messed with because uh, he's got a thing for Amara. Um, and he's not the leader, and he has no right to be so high and mighty. Um, and if he's not the leader, and you know, may have a thing, you know, there's nothing that makes his word gospel. And he tells her, "Well, you should respect your elders." And she tells him, "I won't do any such thing, uh, when especially when those elders are acting like babies, you know." And these two are just going at each other like cat and dogs, like brother and sister almost is what it makes me think of. And they just won't stop. Roberto, he's tired of it. He doesn't want to hear it. He he's gonna lose his temper. He figures, so he he takes a walk. He just heads out of the room. He's just not gonna put up with it. Plus, he doesn't think he can handle the situation. And Danny's been filling in that leadership role. So she can deal with it, he figures. Um, he's not going to be of any use there, except for potentially making matters worse. Uh, and so he's walking down the hall. He's thinking about stuff. Um, and one that one of those uh, ladies, the slaves that had served them food, asks if he's okay, if he required anything. And he said nothing, tells her nothing. She asks, you know, if there's anything she could do to ease his sadness. And he says, just leave him alone. And as he's looking out the window at the courtyard, he he wonders to himself, like, if his emotions are really coming through so clearly, can people really read him? Is it really that easy to read and see what's what's weighing him weighing on him? And and as he's thinking about this, you know, he, you know, he can't hide his feelings, and he wonders if he's maybe just likes to feel sorry for himself. Um, and there's a lot to feel sorry about, he, he figures. And he begins to think about those things. You know, the first being Juliana saving him in, in graphic novel number four. You know, as she's shot in the back, she's knocking him out of the way. And then later in New Mutants number, uh, number five and six, uh, when when Rain, or when Shane Koi Man is is lost during the fight with the viper and the samurai and the explosion she falls into the water and she's never to be seen again and he couldn't even he you know he wasn't able to use his powers to save her or juliana and then obviously in uh new Mutants number eight when he lost his mother's hand in the rapids and she was swept away and potentially she's dead too like all three of these these people that he cared about all women are all are have all been potentially killed and and his abilities were were of no use and he wonders what's good are these powers of his if if he can't help the people he cares for the most and he begins to think you know he wishes his dad was there because his dad and he could always talk about stuff like this his dad was more of a friend than anything and he was always able to you know help him in moments like this and as he's sitting at this window, looking out of the courtyard, he finally sees a woman in red hair and this green gown. It looks like his mother. He runs down the stairs to the courtyard. He wants to see. He's got to see if it's her. He opens the door, and there, there's spears pointed at him. A ton of guards, like at least four, maybe five guards pointing spears at him, ready to, to 
to keep him inside. And he's surprised. They tell him he can't leave. He tells them that he's got to, that he needs to go past. And they tell him that he, they were ordered to keep him in the palace for his own protection. To have him out on the street, it's too dangerous. And then they tell him that they need to, you know, he's a friend of Rome, but they, and they don't want to harm him. He begins, he transforms to his sunspot form and he's ready for a fight. And he tells them, you know, to move aside or he'll, he'll show them exactly how powerful he is and just how well he can take care of himself on his own. And, you know, in this moment, he begins his, he thinks of Xavier, thinks of Xavier and he thinks to himself, what's he doing? You know, he shouldn't be threatening any innocent people that are just doing their job. Um, it goes against everything Xavier had taught him. Um, that the powers that he possesses should only be used to help someone or in self-defense, never of a weapon of wanted violence. Um, and by the time, it, even if he were to fight these guys, he'd be violating everything that he believes in. And... The thing that he's been the most sick over, right? This idea of helping people and the inability to help people. He'd be using his powers in the exact opposite way to hurt people for potentially nothing. Because he could get out on the street and find, and, and he's probably not going to find this woman. She's so, it's been so long, she's probably gone. And the crowds are so massive that he won't find her anyways. And so he does tell him, hey, he's sorry, he's upset, and he didn't mean to lose his temper. It won't happen again. And the guard just rubs his temple, and he he just says, thank Jupiter for that. You know, he's overjoyed that he doesn't have to face off against this uh, powerful mutant. Um, so Roberto returns to his friends, dejected. Later that night, at the side entrance of the palace, we see Danny sticking her head around the corner. She's checking and, and she sees two guards. They're patrolling the entrance, just as Roberto had, had told her they would be. Uh, it's a full moon and it's extremely dark. Um, and she knows she's got to distract these guards if she's going to sneak out. And she summons uh, their deepest desires from their minds. And they hear a noise, and they both spin, and, and they're, they're confronted by two beautiful women that beckon to, to them. And, and these men, like, are enraptured by these women. And obviously, it's their, their deepest desires. And I'll tell you, this panel is really beautiful, because these two men, are their faces are so lecherous. They're just, like, enthralled with these women. And we see behind them, Danny runs off into the darkness. Uh, later, moments later, she's she's up against the wall, you know, happy and and you know, kind of catching her breath and and calming down because she's she's made it past these guards, and she's checking to see that no one's followed her. And we see a hand as she's peering around a corner. We see a hand reaching towards her, and it grabs her, covering her mouth and pulling her back. She's been captured, and we don't know by who. Still later, back at the palace, we see Rain sitting in the window, and she, she looks worried. She's, she's kind of curled up in a ball and, and just looking out the window. And Roberto comes to her, and, and he asks her, you know, what are you doing? Are you going to stay here all night? And, and she tells him that she's concerned about Danny, that Danny should have been back by now, and, and she just doesn't feel right about what's going on. 
And Roberto tells her that, you know, she's a determined girl and that she can take care of herself. And he tells her not to worry about it and he rubs her head and calls her Firetop and she, you know, kind of starts to crack and chuckle a little bit, telling him it tickles. And, you know, it's in this moment after this that she just finally opens up about everything that's going on going in her in her head. You know, it's it's such a typical teen young teenager thing to do to just kind of hide everything and keep it balled up inside well she opens up and and she she tells him she tells Roberto that she's ashamed of herself for you know being so disrespectful and hateful towards Sam and saying so many hurtful things and then she's she talks about having blasphemed as well and and doesn't buy Senator Galileo's uh explanation that this is the his people's belief in in a god and and that maybe mutants were the gods you know were gods um back way back when Rome was first founded maybe they were actually based in in reality and she's she's just really distraught you know and and she's just super depressed right like she's collapsed in on herself and and she's talking about how she she wonders why god hasn't already struck her dead and that she's going to burn in hell forever and and she's ter- truly terrified and roberto you know he comforts her he tells her you know the romans they believe what they want to believe you know just because they believe something doesn't mean that god can't see what's truly in your heart and soul and that if your beliefs aren't you know she, if 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 rain's beliefs aren't shaken aren't like if she hasn't bought into what the romans believe then she's done nothing wrong and she has nothing to fear and like this only kind of really gets it, it this brushes away her what she's kind of constructed to to really cover her true fears right and and we've seen this she's expressed these fears a couple times and and here she finally tells Roberto what she's truly afraid of and that's the fact that she and and she's in tears when she's doing this like she's beginning to cry she likes being a wolf we've heard this time and time again from her that she really likes being a wolf and that it's hard to come back and be a girl after she's been a wolf things are so simple it's just easier it's natural and that every day it's getting harder and harder and and she likes it more and more every day and roberto is you know kind of speechless he's he's desperately trying to think you know what's the right thing to say what can he say to help her and as he's you know grappling with this thought he he hears something and notices something moving behind the drapes and we see a gun pulling you know pop out with a, a hand holding a gun pop out from behind the drapes and it fires roberto shoves rain to the side and he's struck in the shoulder and and as rain falls from the window cell onto the ground roberto is the the momentum of the bullet hitting roberto on his shoulder carries him through the window this commotion and the gunshot wakes Sam and he sees Roberto falling from the window and rain calling for Sam to catch him and and he he ignites his powers and he and he blasts after him and he just you know he's going as fast as he can he realizes that even in sunspot if he's able, if Bobby were to turn into sunspot before he hit the ground it, he's not invulnerable in that form and and the fall would probably break his neck and and Sam's able to catch him and pull him up before they strike the ground um well 
rain reverts to turns into her wolf form and, and leaps at the person hiding in the curtains, the assassin that has come to 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 do them harm. And she pins the man down in her wolf form and guards and Galileo run into the room. And just as Sam and Roberto returns with Roberto, um and they realize that the man that had the gun that fired at Roberto is none other than the the man that was uh, on the boat who who destroyed the boat, Castro. He's the man that killed the crew on the boat and and really left the new mutants for dead. Uh, and here's where Galileo takes a chance, his opportunity to play the hero, and he gets down next, kneels down next to um, Castro, who's who's been pinned to the ground by by rain who's still in her wolf's form and he demands answers he wants to know who who would send him to do this deed to try to kill these sacred he calls them sacred children and and castro spits in his face and galileo stands and rubs the spit from his face and he says you know he basically threatens him he's like you know if you think you're so tough how about i leave you to roberto this this young man would be more than happy to get the answers I desire from you. And that threat is enough to get Castro to talk. And he tells them that he was sent to kill these young mutants by none other than Senator Lucius Aquila. And the plan, Galileo's plan, is finally coming to fruition he is ready to try to seize control to to destroy any resistance before him and seize control of nova roma and crown himself emperor elsewhere we see danny she's lying on the ground and and moaning she clearly had been rendered unconscious and as she awakes she she realizes at the same time we do that that she's no longer uh dressed in her uh roman attire she's been dre- uh dressed into a skinny bikini top and it looks like scale male bikini bottoms uh very princess leia uh like is what it, it makes me think of and as she's you know beginning to look around these this massive cave she realizes she's in a cave and and she notices there's two other girls with her and one of those women is Amara and uh you know she's trying to figure out what's going on and and Amara's not really responding so she figures that you know Amara's been drugged and and she was likely drugged as well um and at this point as she's you know trying to like get Amara going uh some some uh, giant, fairly large men approach her, and they have you know weapons, and uh, they're carrying a torch, and and uh, and she, Danny had asked um, Amara, you know, like why why were they there? You know, what's going on? Trying to get answers, and Amara, you know, won't answer. Her. But the man that has approached her from behind, he he finally answers the question. And he tells her it's to be sacrificed. Um, and he tells the other men that are with him that they need to keep an eye on, on Danny because 
she's a witch, you know, she's, she's basically, you know, they got to watch her every move because, you know, she's dangerous. And if she, if she does anything out of the normal, then they kill her immediately. Um, so they take these women deeper into the cave and as they approach this massive, um, cavernous room, uh, we find out that they've taken her to what they call, uh, the sink, the sanctuary of the cult of fire. And what we see is a whole bunch of people encircling this massive pit and down in the pit is lava. And there's this altar that stretches out above, you know, out over the lip of the pit. And you have to climb stairs to this altar. And, you know, as Danny and Amara and this other girl are beginning to try to figure, you know, taking all this in, they see up on this altar, someone materialize. And of course, I think you all know who that someone is. She introduces herself as Selena, daughter of the moon and mistress of the fire. And she beckons for one of the young women to, to come to her, to, to, to join her on the altar. And this girl almost for sure, uh, you know, almost like hip, hypnotized, begins to move slowly towards the stairs and begins climbing up the stairs towards Selena. And Danny figures that Selena must have, she's feeling this tug in her mind, and she realizes that Selena must have, she must have psychic power similar to that of Professor Xavier, uh, and that she's using that to draw the girl up the stairs and as the girl walks the stairs she's saying no but her body is certainly not reacting in any sort of way that suggests she's trying to fight it but her mind definitely is uh, she's saying please no and it's very much like this moment of like you know definitely against this girl's will um and obviously it's consent but she's a villain and she is trying to sacrifice these young women uh, Selena is trying to sacrifice these young women, obviously. And Danny's trying, you know, doesn't know what to do. She wants to fight to do something. Um, and, and she figures she's going to try to summon uh, something. Uh, but she's unable to. Something's blocking her from using her abilities. Um, and and she realizes that Selena knows that Danny has uh, mutant powers and is blocking her abilities Uh and, and therefore she can't summon an image or anything. And as this girl gets up to the altar, uh, Selena takes her and throws her off the altar and down into the pit of lava. And what we find out from this scene um, is that Selena then takes the sacrificed woman's life force. She pulls it into her and and... You know, you can see the electricity flying up from the pit and, and in circles and, uh, you know, sh light blasts from Selena. I don't know if that's just the artist's way of depicting this or if that would be something that you'd actually see. I suppose it's somewhat irrelevant. Um, but Selena is indeed taking the life force from these young women. And she looks to Danny, who is down below below the altar and she tells her 
I am, after all, a goddess who has walked the earth since before the dawn of history. Countless thousands have gone to the fires in my name. Which of you two will be next? And the two girls look on at Selena in horror. Meanwhile, at the Aquila Estates, everything seems really calm and serene. There are guards in the courtyard, um, and they're, they're Aquila's personal guards. They're there to protect him. Um, but this serenity is, is soon shattered as Roberto in sunspot's form, sunspot form smashes through one of the courtyard walls. Uh, the guards, Aquila's guards, quickly gather and uh, raise alarm, and they, they move to defend the wall. Um, another wall, though, is quickly shattered as Cannonball, uh, Sam Guthrie, blasts through the wall in his... Uh, with his powers ignited, sending guards and parts of the wall flying. Um, as uh, Marcus Galileo's Roman legions storm the compound, um, events are getting out of hand, Sam realizes. And he's figured it out. He's, he's pretty sure that uh, Ca- everything was just too simple back at the palace. It's too easy that Castro um, just caved and turned over and fingered uh, Mr. Aquila, according to Sam, is what he is what he calls him. But Senator Aquila as being the guilty and boss of this awful cons- uh, conspiracy to overthrow, to murder these these chil- the children, Sam and his uh, his fellow teammates, but also to um, become emperor of Rome. Uh, Bobby is just engaged in the combat. He is kind of given over. He's really struggled here. You know, here's he is once again in sunspot form, just trying to get through um, <clears throat> in this event. Right? He he's he's kind of desperate. Um, he he hasn't really been d- able to do much to help his friends, family, or loved ones. And I think there's a lot of fear and rage in him, and this is a point where he gets to act that out. Sam is aware, though, that that if if Bobby and and he don't do something soon, uh, the the soldiers will reach uh, uh, Lucius Aquila, uh, and and they'll probably kill him. They won't take him. Uh, won't take him without without killing him and so he 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 gets uh roberto and they go to uh prevent that from happening and they figure they've got to talk talk to um aquila they've got to make sure that he survives this ordeal because they don't trust um galileo and if it's just too convenient this this frenzied fight between the guards and Aquila's guards and the soldiers it's just too easy that something could happen accidentally and Aquila could be killed um and Sam argues that he deserves a fair trial in a proper court and so those two he 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 tells Roberto that the two of them have to go and defend Aquila and he's right the guards are quickly breaking into a uh, else you know elsewhere in the compound the guards have found Aquila's final holdout and and they're busting in the door one charges at him and aquila draws a sword and and runs him through uh but the other guards all with spears pointed at him are ready just to pounce they're gonna they're gonna end this quickly they're not gonna let aquila survive this uh but sam and 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 roberto burst through a wall into the room 
and Sam stands between uh, stands between the guards, the soldiers, and Aquila. And Roberto is there as well in his sunspot form next to Aquila. And and they tell the guards, hey, we, we're here first. He's our captive. We're going to bring him to Marcus Galileo. It's our honor. And and the guards try to put up a protest, but they're not, they know they can't stand against the mutants, uh, the two mutants. And so Marcus arrives in the room and both Marcus and Galileo, uh, Marcus Galileo and uh, Senator Aquila begin speaking in Latin so that assuming their voice, they won't be understood by the outlanders, the new mutants. Um, and Gal, uh, Aquila pokes at him that he's alive and that kind of throws a wrench into everything. And, you know, Marcus is not very pleased that he's alive. He's not pleased with these young younglings or young mutants that they've interfered. Uh, but he's, he, he's figures I, he's got him. He's got the Senate where he wants him. He's got this guy claiming to be tied to Aquila and that the evidence is overwhelming against Aquila. Um, and he's going to be tried for high treason and condemned probably to death. Um, and, and Aquila fires back that those are lies and forgeries uh, and that it's actually uh, Marcus Galileo who's going to betray them to the outside world. Uh, he would see their way of life destroyed and it's all for his own ambition. And Galileo takes this moment to laugh, right? It's a very, like, smug, arrogant laugh, that of a villain. And uh, he he tells him, well, even if that's true, there's nothing that Aquila can do at this point to stop him. He's beaten, and, Galile- and Galileo's won. And... Uh, there's nothing he can do about it. Rome is his to do with as he pleases. And he just tells his guards to take take Aquila away. And he tells the new mutants, hey, I'm really grateful for your help. Your services have done more for him and, and new Rome on this night than, than any other. And he's just really grateful for that help. Uh, but the thing that we didn't know, the readers... All along, Roberto's been able to speak Latin, and he's thinking this to himself. You know, that Galileo had no idea, and he's kept that secret, and it's since they've arrived uh, gambling that it would be useful, and it turns out that it has been, because he overheard the whole thing, and he tells, and he's thinking to himself, I think we've made a terrible mistake. I've got to tell Sam. So he he's realizing that there's no not going to be a fair trial, and and if they're going to do anything to stop uh, Marcus Galileo, it, they're going to have to do it themselves. Elsewhere, below Nova Roma, in the caves, we see that Selena now has Amara poised above the lava pit at the altar, and she's prepared to throw her into the pit. Uh, Selena takes this moment to gloat in her victory. We find out that Selena had actually sacrificed Amara's mother in the same manner, and that she is now basking in the glory. She realizes that uh, Aquila had tried to protect his daughter by having her live with the Amazons, those who had fled Nova Roma in an effort to protect their young daughters from, from Selena, and that 
she always knew that this time would come because uh, of Mara was was too much like her father, and and she would would was too loyal and and would no no doubt return to try try to help her father, and Selena says as a reward you will share his fate, and and really I mean this moment is about her taking the life of Amara and destroying any connection um, younger generations have to the Republic, along with its elder statesman, her father, right? Her husband, Galileo, is now going to to kill his rival, uh, Aquila, and and thus destroy the Republic and take, take Nova Roma, take over Nova Roma as its emperor. And Danny, she she realizes she has to do something now, as as Selena is about to toss the, the helpless Amara into the pit, and and she struggles to to break free of Selene's psychic blocks that have been preventing her from using her abilities, and and finally she's able to. She breaks free and she casts. She she pulls an image that is terrifying from the guards that had been holding her in place below the altar. She pulls an image from their minds that is ter- truly terrifying, and and they cower in fear from it as she is as Danny takes this moment to run up the altar steps towards Selena and she thinks she has caught her off guard and this in this moment she has a chance to actually defeat Selena if she can just get to her and push her off into a pit of lava but Selena had had figure had realized probably as soon as as Danny broke free of her hold that Danny was coming and and she as Danny makes it to the top of the top of the stairs selena reaches out and and takes her by the neck and lifts her into the air and 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 selena believes that she has won this fight um and this is a really wonderful moment because selena tells danny that she once she calls her a youngling and it seems like any truly evil disgusting horrible villain of that is older than the new mutants um, the brood were a great example of this and Selena now call them younglings. And I just, I just adore that. Um, you know, and she tells her that her mind tricks basically won't work on her and that those mind tricks were proof to her that she was no longer alone. Celine realizes that she's not alone anymore, that she, she had thought for the longest time for her entire life, which is goes back to the days of Rome. It's decades. It's millennia. I mean, she is old, 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 ancient. And she realizes, though, because of Danny's mind tricks and after seeing them in the arena, these young mutants, that, she, that they are of the same blood. And she is certain of it, having seen Danny's powers in full use. Um... For countless, she, this is her speech. I think I'm just going to read it because it's it's absolutely. I love this. I love it. I love it. I love it. I actually really like Celine as a villain. I think she's, I mean, she's absolutely terrible. Like there's very little. There's no redeeming factors, no redeeming traits in her. She is completely and utterly evil, and I and I really like that at this point in the New Mutants. So like, she's so far my favorite villain they've faced. Um. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna give her speech it's it's day in the light. 
Um, as, as, and we'll just start from the point where she grabs Danny by the throat. You should have fled while you had the chance, youngling. I am proof against your mind tricks. We are kin. You and I of the same blood. I sensed it the moment I saw you in the arena. Now I am certain for countless generations I had wandered the earth alone, believing myself to be unique, a different, better breed than human. You and your companions have shown me that I am not that I am not alone. And she takes her nail and she slices Danny's cheek. And this this moment Danny is thinking to herself, and I really like this, that, you know, if what Selena is saying, what Selena's saying is true, then she's a mutant. And if she's a mutant, Danny's starting to wonder, are are all mutants such monsters? And it's no wonder if, if mutants can be like Celine that humanity fears and hates them. And Celine continues her speech as Amara stands at the edge of the altar above the lava pit. You will join me, serve me, hunt by my side as I leave my exile and reach out across the wide, wonderful world to claim it as my own. You resist to no avail, Moonstar. I have tasted your blood and through it touched your soul. So after she cuts her cheek, she tastes the blood and she she's just enamored with this. And this this idea of her taking the life force and this this ability to taste the blood and and just really reach into someone's soul like this, whether it's it's just Danny playing into the part because she's so overwhelmed with like the thoughts of a monster being faced by such a horrible monster like Selena or not. Like we're seeing this idea of the psychic vampire that people uh, you know that Selena is Selena is often referred to as, right? Um, and like this pan, this page is just stunningly beautiful. If if you like uh, Celine, like it is absolutely perfect. And uh, Danny's face is just so horrified, and like just it's like this, like black and white image and like her eyes are completely glossed over like white and it's just a face of terror um and it's at this moment that that Amara is able to break free of of Celine's hold on her and she she leaps at Celine and and tells her that you know Danny had done enough to to weaken her hold so she could act, and it, it's you know doesn't matter. Celine bats Amara into the pit, and Amara falls down into the lava and disappears without a sound. But all of a sudden, the ground begins to shake, and we see images of the of the Nova Roma above, and and you know, columns are coming crashing down. People are screaming and running. And and uh, Galileo explains to the young mutants, uh, Roberto and Sam, who are, and, and Rain, who are coming out of Aquila's um, home, that the ground shakes quite often, but rarely 
is it this horrible because never do buildings really ever collapse and 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 it's never without some sort of warning and then all of a sudden we see the last page of the issue a splash page uh back in Celine's cave there's a it's a shot of the pit and the altar Danny is gripping her throat she's on her hands and knees on the altar Celine has dropped her and she is confronted Celine is being confronted by a figure that is that's rising out of the lava on this lava flow it is a being that is all red and yellow and just completely engulfed in flames hair hair that looks as though it's sparks or fire and the flames shoot up around her and and rocks shoot from the flame that she is riding on behold and, and this is what the figure says behold your folly demon and your doom the child you thought slain has been reborn made one with the molten heart of the earth itself and in its name your countless victims she will have mer- vengeance and that is the conclu- the, the end of this episode this issue um we see Amara having transformed into uh, her her mutant abilities having manifested, and she's transformed into her uh, alternate form, and she will be, become known as Magma. And it just happens to be the case that the next issue is Magma. <laughs> James Explores the New Mutants is, as always, recorded in Iowa City, Iowa, and produced by myself using the Anchor app. New episodes are available every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. You can reach the podcast on Twitter at ExploreNewMutant or via email at ExploreTheNewMutants at gmail.com. You can also reach the podcast through a great voicemail feature that Anchor provides. If you'd like to record about a minute-long question or comment and have it sent to my mailbox on Anchor, that's certainly possible. And then I can take those comments and questions and play, place them directly in the episodes, which allows you, the listener, a really unique way to interact with me and the podcast. So I highly encourage that. So if you have some questions, I'd love to hear from you. Um, until next time... Keep reading those comics. <laughs>